Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. We already recorded our intro and then Jane had literally 40 <laughs> minutes of microphone trouble. So, uh, in which I made several Hamilton jokes. <laughs> <laughs> plug and the now- USB port in on the uh, t- plug it into a USB port on the other side. My mother's on the <laughs> other, other side. <laughs> that was Sarah's joke. I won't take it from her. She- thank you, thank you. <laughs> and Jane did some very technical uh, fixing. She smushed the cord, so <laughs> we're gonna. I smushed it into the into the plug. You um, did. You did. So let's hope somewhere- that this works. Somewhere there's like a, a mic engineer person cringing at like, me saying, being like, okay, oh, that's I, so bad for the cord. Jammed like, it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Jane was having problems. I looked up the a YouTube video, clicked the first one. Like <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to work. It seemed to help. No further research necessary. We should get started. Um okay. you can tell Jane was telling me a really delightful story and I'm so excited to hear it again. Jane, how okay, are you? So um, I'm doing all right. I'm really overwhelmed by school. I'm really stressed. I have a lot to do. Uh-huh. Um, I'm uh-huh. exhausted and tired, but yes. <laughs> in my day, you know, I, I look for little pockets of sunshine, little, <laughs> little pockets of Zen. And <laughs> I might to find it the second time. <laughs> And my little moment of Zen today was when I got up at 6 a.m. this morning and, and um, I remembered two things. One, that the previous night um, of uh, I had blown a fuse in the wall that is shared by my kitchen and my bathroom. Um, silly me, I was being a selfish bitch and trying to boil some water in an electric kettle and use the microwave at the same time. And it just Greedy. shut everything down. So um, greedy. So greedy. So the lights in my bathroom weren't work are were not working. They were fixed today. It's fine. But um and all of the outlets in both the kitchen and the bathroom were not working. But anyway, it's 6 a.m. The second thing I remember is that I am in desperate need of a shower. I've been working remotely for the past week and I I know I have showered during that time. Um <laughs> on a relatively regular basis, but I couldn't tell you when the last one was. So it was it was needed. I was mm-hmm. I didn't smell great. My hair was disgusting. Um, I couldn't leave the house without showering. But so I walk over to the bathroom, turn on the light switch. Nothing happens. It's pitch black. Sun isn't even up yet. So what do I do? <laughs> I light a candle, several candles in fact, and um, I, I I well I carry them in with my phone and the lighter, and then I drop. <laughs> the lighter into the shower accidentally while the water's already running um so i scramble and get that back up but when i don't when i dive for it my head gets soaking wet <laughs> and remember that i pop back up um again in the shower um i realized once i'm in the shower that the fan is also not working so there's lots of steam there's candle lights it's like i'm in the fog i'm in the fog <laughs> and there's, but it's it's dark but it's kind of glowy because of the candles but um so if you could just picture me in a fog trying to clean myself um it it, it had moments of like oh this is kind of chill this is kind of relaxing it's kind of like a spa and the, and then there were moments that were kind of horror movie-esque but you know you know you take your pleasure where you can <laughs> yes <laughs> you know you find you find small moments and you just take them and you really run with them and how much yeah. joy they bring you so i'm happy that this this 
brought you joy (laughs) (laughs) so odd so odd but uh, so um how are you doing there (laughs) honestly after everything we went through to get this mic set up i'm a michelle of a person um i am doing okay i went to my mom's house this last weekend and um everyone was like why did you go i don't need a reason like and it was like what did you do nothing like (laughs) i saw my mom petted the cat i know i pet i pet the cat felix who i missed very much and i had a bunch of mail there it was like christmas i opened up a lot of packages i left there and i for the both of us yeah jane has a package there um and i did exactly what i'd be doing if i was in new york except i didn't at my mom's house (laughs) it was great i loved it but it was nice to see my mom with some mm-hmm. cupcakes. Nice. I'm trying to think of anything that's brought me particular joy. Um, stickers. You got stickers yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yes, thank you. I even FaceTimed Jane to show her these stickers. Again, this is not an ad, but I got <laughs> stickers from Pip Sticks because I get a million ads for them. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm going to get the sticker club. And I got the stickers and I was, I was floored. <laughs> They're so good. I love them. Like, it hit the nail on the head for my, of my personality. Perfect for spooky time. They were very mm-hmm. witchy and, like, mm-hmm. all had, like, tarot cards and crystal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved them. I loved them. So I spent a good chunk of yesterday night decorating my planner with them. That did bring me a lot of joy. That probably was my highlight, my highlight of the last week. So that's how I'm doing. Um, we are now starting uh, almost two hours late, so I think we should get started. Let's get going. Uh, we both have pretty spooky themes today. We do. Mine has less to do with like supernatural stuff, but it's it's still cool and it's kind of a funny history story. Well, not funny. Ooh. It's not funny at all. But... I was like, his name was Impaler. It's, it's, it's funny. fascinating. It's a, it's an uh-huh. interesting. It's a I love story. history. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, the guy that we're talking about, known as Vlad the Impaler, mm-hmm. his full name is, um, well, actually, I'm saying it wrong already, Vlad the Third of Wallachia. Okay. Um, now, it is funny, I'm, you might catch me saying Vlad every now and then, I mean Vlad. His okay. name is pronounced Vlad. Now, we are going to get to a guy whose name is Vladislav. I, mm-hmm. that, I literally looked up how to pronounce it in the correct, like, Romanian, and it, right. it, it was like, Vlad this love, but I, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Please say it like that. <laughs> Please do. Do my best Romanian accent. Please do not let No me wonder they're anybody. all vampires. That sounded like you were a vampire. <laughs> no, but this guy, like, I, I definitely was, I was like, okay, well, what if it's just V-L-A-D? What's the Romanian pronunciation? And that, they were like, oh, no, Vlad. Mm. Like, okay, so Vlad versus Vlad, like <laughs> Vlad versus Vlad. <laughs> I'm gonna turn into bar talk from Anastasia so quickly. You really are. <laughs> I can't wait. Vlad the Third of Wallachia, better known as Vlad the Impaler, was born in 1431 in oh, Romania. A long time ago. I know a long. Oh, time ago. him and uh. Well, it depends on how long he lived. It's like, oh, he could have been alive the same time as that traitor Christopher Columbus. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, well, they were probably at, uh, alive at the same time, but he yeah. was not alive when, in 1492, I'm pretty sure he died before then. All right. So he didn't see the great betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Happy belated Indigenous Peoples Day, by the way. Yeah, happy um, belated Indigenous <laughs> Peoples Day. <laughs> okay, well, some say that Vlad was born in Transylvania, which is the country uh, that... It's the it's the region of Romania. It's not uh-huh. a country. It's a yes. region of Romania, mm-hmm. uh, from which the character Dracula uh, comes from. He, or mm-hmm. he was. It's his his birthplace in the story. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, there is um a castle in Transylvania called Bran Castle. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, there's so many things in this story that made me think of Game of Thrones, and that was just one of them. Um, Bran Castle. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is called the Dracula Castle, like colloquially, um, but it's only really called this because it's in Transylvania and it's located in like a foggy area of the mountains and it has a really spooky aesthetic, but there's no evidence that Vlad the Impaler ever set foot there or had any oh. connection to that castle. Interesting. Um, but there is a lot of conflicting evidence about where he was born. Um, there's this one property in this place called Saisora. Okay. There, there's many silent letters in that word. I believe it is Saisora. It, it was owned by Vlad the Second, Vlad the Second, who is uh-huh. our guy's third. Okay, so there's a Vlad the Second that's <laughs> who's no no I'm already messing up. There's this is Vlad like what I heard about Poland. <laughs> our guy is our guy is Vlad the Third. Okay, he's and the then third. there's he's the third. So uh-huh. this property that I'm talking about was owned by Vlad the Second, his dad. Okay. okay. Um, and this is kind of rumored to be his birthplace, but there's also a place in this area called Targovist, oh. which is the location of the seat of the Principality of Wallachia, uh, okay. which is the area of Romania that they're from. And uh, which that is the like capital of the area. Okay. And that's w- f- the area that they were ruling over. Uh-huh. Um, the official title of the, the, like, rulership they had, it wasn't, like, king or... It was um, voivode. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that term, but... No, not familiar it, there, with it. There's cool apparently... Word. Yeah, I, I think it, it must be... I think it's kind of like a duke or... Because it's not like... He wasn't, like, the king of Romania. He was just, like, in charge of this one area. Right. Um, like a but count. It was a, pretty, it was a pretty big area, though. Like, he had many noblemen. Wasn't Dracula a count? <gasps> Isn't that the thing? Count Dracula? Yeah. Okay, so this isn't the same thing as a count. And he, he does oversee many noblemen, I will say. So he has, Wait. like... <laughs> What's that line from Princess Bride? Duke of Kenilworth! <laughs> that's not from Princess Bride, that's from no, I mean, Princess, I mean, Diaries. Princess Diaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elsie Duke. <laughs> Duke of Kenilworth! I love Eggs with Elsie, my favorite show. Um... <laughs> anyway, so that place, he could have also been born there. That's cool. Um, but there's one castle that you can go visit in real life. Um, that in real f- life? Yeah. I mean, well, you can visit all those places, but it's like, right. we don't know if he was ever there. Um, right. I, I do kind of want to see that Dracula castle, though, just for the aesthetic of it. It's oh. literally, it's literally like, it's Let's go to Romania. So I think you and I would really like it there. <gasps> we should. Oh, my gosh. That'd be so fun. Okay. Post-COVID, we're going to Romania. It's decided. We're gonna, we have, like, a European adventure that we need to go on. We need to go to Stonehenge. We need to go to Romania. We oh, to you, to we need to get you to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. So yeah, there's this there's this one castle that you can for sure visit in real life um, uh-huh. that he, that Vlad the Impaler like for sure was, and it's actually not in Romania; it's in Turkey. 
Ooh. It's Tokat Castle, uh, Tokat Castle in northern Turkey. And at age twelve, Vlad the Impaler and his little brother were imprisoned in the dungeon of this castle. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> That's dark. You thought they like just like visited. It's like, and uh, then they spent a summer there. Like, <laughs> Well, it's actually a really interesting story, and I, I'm excited to get to it. Um, but it's okay. in northern Turkey, and it's this soup, this like eerie castle that has a lot of secret tunnels and dungeons. Cool. So that place is like cool, and it is parts of it are open to the public, so you can go explore. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay. All right, let's get into his life. You know, history <gasps> time. Okay, in 1431. Uh huh which is the, the same year he was born, King Sigismund of Hungary, mm-hmm. uh, who would later become the Holy Roman Emperor. Yeah, I was going to say that name is, like, really familiar, and he's, yeah. a, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he inducted Vlad II, his Vladimir father's dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. into a knightly order called the Order of the Dragon. Ooh! ever wanted to be in a club more than that i i want to be in the order of the dragon so bad because of this designation of being a knight in the order of the dragon he was given the surname dracul Ooh. Mm-hmm. which is the old romanian word for dragon okay or, or the romanian word is drac so dracul mm-hmm. means like you know it's derived from that word yeah now Vlad the Third, our guy, the Impaler, uh-huh. was later known as the son of Dracul, and okay. the old Romanian word for the son of Dracul is Draculia. Okay. So do you? So that is where the word Dracula. Oh, I just got it. Draculia. I just got it. Draculia. Dracula. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's not <laughs> how I would have guessed that word was derived. No. Uh, well, it's really interesting because that's where that name came from. Uh-huh. Although I, it didn't seem like many people really called him that, but that was technically like, it was one of his many titles, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but the name of the character Dracula has less to do with Vlad the Third specifically as a person, but more so with the linguistic associations. Okay. Um, in modern Romanian, Drac actually means devil. So in old oh. Romanian, it meant dragon and in new Romanian or modern Romanian it was devil and um in 1890 Bram Bram Stoker Mm -hmm. I don't know I keep wanting to call him Stoker Um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry I'm a child Bram Stoker uh read a book on the history of Wallachia which is the area that we're talking about you know that's the area that he was in charge of and he wrote notes on this book that he read. And one of, in one of the notes, he indicated being struck by the word Dracula. And he wrote in the margins, in Wallachian language means devil. And devil is in all caps. Right. He doesn't ever write in his notes anything about Vlad III, the guy we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, so it, it, we don't really know if he was even talking about him. He just heard the name Dracula and was like, ooh, I can, what if I sent like a devilish count from this area? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But Vlad the Third, you know, he's he's got he's got some some bloody stuff coming to him. So I really thought you were going to say daddy issues. <laughs> well, he okay, just strap in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So historians pretty much agree that Dracula and Vlad the Third are definitely not the same person, but there are a lot of 
theories out there that uh-huh. that they are the same person. Um, so the Order of the Dragon was devoted to one singular task: the defeat of the Turkish or the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, we're gonna hear a lot about, um, you know, the Ottoman Empire slash Turkey versus mm-hmm. the Christians slash Hungary. Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. it well. Wallachia, home of the Vlads. Um, uh-huh is situated right in between Christian Europe and the Muslim lands of the Ottoman Empire. And it was frequently the scene of bloody battles as the Ottoman Empire um, pushed its way towards westward into Europe and as the Christian forces pushed back. So it was like right in that middle area that there was like lot, there was a lot of fighting going on in that area that he just happened to be the ruler of. Right. Um, In 1442, Vlad II, traveled to Turkey to meet diplomatically with the Ottoman Sultan Murad II. He brought his two young sons with him, Vlad III and Radu. The meeting... Radu. He's going to come back. Um, Oh. (laughs) The meeting turned out to be a trap (gasps) and all three were arrested and held hostage. (laughs) Now, in sort of a reverse Beauty and the Beast situation... Vlad II was released under the condition that he leave his sons behind. <gasps> and he took the deal? Yes! Daddy issues. Daddy wow. issues! Yikes. Mm-hmm. The Sultan had the boys held hostage as blackmail so that Vlad would behave how they wanted him to in the ongoing war between Turkey and Hungary. So I don't know if he totally had the choice yeah. Um, it was like more like, we've got your son, so you have to do what we say. And right now we say you have to go back to your castle and try and help our cause instead of the one you were fighting for. Right. While being held hostage by the Ottomans, and they were briefly in a dungeon at the beginning, but actually Vlad and Radu were um, kind of well taken care of. They were tutored in science, philosophy, and the arts. Oh. Uh, Every time I read the word tutored tonight, just because my brain is going to dark places, I think it says tortured, but it's not. It's, it's, tutored. it's tutored. Yeah. <laughs> it like well, when you were hear they kidnap children, it's like, oh, and they tortured them. Oh, nope, nope. They gave them lessons in math. <laughs> <laughs> they taught them science, philosophy, and the arts. And Vlad was trained to be a skilled horseman and warrior. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I would they like were... to be a trained horseman. <laughs> I don't need to be a warrior, but the trained horseman horseman. would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, or a horse woman. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Gender isn't real. Horse person. Horse person. <laughs> That's just a centaur. <laughs> this is a centaur. <laughs> <laughs> they were treated reasonably well for the standards of the time. And the thing. The oh, standards no. of the time. <laughs> well, like for two, for two boys that you're holding prisoner, like they were treated right. pretty well. Right. And they were treated well enough, in fact, that Radu switched sides. <gasps> He was like, no, yeah, he was like, I'm going to side with the Ottoman Empire now. I'm one of them. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they raised him. Yeah, well, pretty well, Vlad was just turned 12 when they took them hostage. And I don't know Radu's age, but he was younger than him. So he was literally right. a little kid. He was a um, child. Yeah. And they were held prisoner for several years. I'm pretty sure it was like five years. So from the ages right. of like, yeah, little kid to like probably early teen years. Right. Um. Makes sense, you know? Yeah, checks out. It's like, great, mm-hmm. you're my parents now. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, Vlad, on the other hand, was not as pleased with the idea since they were technically captives. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you didn't let the Stockholm Syndrome. Get yeah, he didn't. He he didn't get Stockholm Syndrome. Um, totally. <laughs> not completely. Not completely. Um, it's like well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take all this nice stuff you're giving me, but uh, he definitely thought about it. You know, he had right <laughs> Stockholm tendencies. Um, right. So um, while Vlad and Radu were being held hostage in Turkey, their father Vlad II was struggling to keep his title of um, voivode in Wallachia. In 1447, he was ousted by local noblemen, and he and Vlad's older half brother Mircea. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both killed in the swamps near <gasps> Balteni, halfway between Targovist and Bucharest, in, which is in present-day Romania. Yes. That sounds so creepy, right? Like To, like, die in a swamp? Capturing yeah. a note. Like, yeah. <sighs> that is really like, creepy. Capturing the, like, guy in charge and bringing him and his oldest son to a swamp and murdering them both. Like, that's, yeah. that's like, right out of a horror novel. Yeah. Romania sounds so creepy. I want to go so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, like, every description of a castle I read was like, and this one also looks really spooky, so it's got that going for it. I was like, why do they all look, did they build them to look spooky? (laughs) Yeah, they wanted them to look terrifying. They wanted them to intimidate invaders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't come here. Spiky Mm -hmm. building. (laughs) Not long after this, in 1448, uh, Vlad III, um, our boy, decided oh. to try and take back his father's seat from the guy who took over. Now, oh. the guy that took over is the guy that I said earlier, Vladislav. Yeah. Vl- and he's Vladislav. also Vladislav II. So he's also kind of a Vlad II, but I'm not gonna... I'm Right. Okay. You know. So he's Vled. Okay. He's Vled. <laughs> um, <laughs> conveniently, Vled had just left to fight the Ottomans um, in oh. the Balkans on behalf of the governor of Hungary. That so, is convenient. Yeah. And Vlad II, our guy, or, I mean, Vlad uh-huh. III. Oh, this is so hard. Um, yeah. He basically convinced the Ottomans who were holding him hostage that he was on their side. So oh, they were like, okay. So, well, they were basically, well, they had just lost their guy that they had planted in that position. Right. And so they were like, okay, well, you like us, so we'll let you go. You can go and you can take power and we'll help you. Right. And then you'll, you'll still be working for us. Like, great deal. Right. Um, so with the help of the Ottoman forces, he went and he took back the, his father's seat. Good for him. Um, that sounds like the plot of a Netflix show. It is the plot of a Netflix show. Yeah, well, don't get too comfy. This is going to be a roller coaster with this. Oh, oh, okay. Voivode. Voivode? Yeah. With this Voivode position. Oh, uh, it's oh, okay. going to go back and forth a lot. Um, after two months of ruling over Wallachia, Vladis- uh, Vladislav came back and deposed oh. Vlad. <gasps> Didn't kill him, though. He just kicked him out of the cat. He was just like, no, get out of here. Oh, I bet he's going to regret not killing him later. There's... This is the story of why didn't they kill him. Um, (laughs) Murder is bad, however. (laughs) The Ottomans didn't kill him. That's going to come and bite them. Like, blood love didn't kill him. That's going to come back. This guy, he just can't be killed. Maybe he's just super charismatic. Maybe. (laughs) We're like, no, no, he's such a nice fella. (laughs) No, he's still only like seventeen at this point. But what? again, you know, yeah, it, he was. It was fourteen forty eight. He was born in fourteen thirty one. So he's still 
he was 12 when he was captured by the Ottomans, and then five years being a hostage by them. And then, and then he takes it back. And then he was like, I'm going to go get it. But then after two months, you know, he ousted. loses it. And then from the years 1448 to 1456, we don't really know what he's up to. There's very little evidence of what he was doing during that time. Off, he was kinda... off screen getting buffed. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, we kind of lose track of him. Um, but in 1453, I don't know if y'all remember this from U.S. or not U.S. history. Oh my gosh, from world history. But that was the year that Constantinople fell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. That's a really big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really uh, cared about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in 1456, because he was favored by the Hungarian government, so like at some point during this time, like we uh-huh. don't know what he was up to, but we do know that he switched teams so he used to fight for the ottoman empire when he came back from being held hostage by them but then he somewhere in this eight-year period that we lose track of him he's like no 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 i'm gonna hop back over uh with the hungarians he two-timed them yeah so and also he like won their trust they were all like you know what we like you like double agent i wouldn't yeah, he really is. He really was kind of a double agent. And because he was favored by the Hungarian government and mm-hmm. at that point had kind of proved himself as being anti-Ottoman, he must have, like, double-crossed them somehow. Yeah, um, maybe he assassinated somebody yeah, important. Yeah, the Hungarians were like, okay, you can be voivode of Wallachia, the job that he wanted and he had right. for two months before he was picked <laughs> he was like, yeah, thanks. And he was like, oh, thanks. This is He like did my- a formal job interview this time. <laughs> Last time he just walked in and was like, I'm in charge. And they were like, no, no, no. You have to interview for this position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things that he did as vo- Voivode was to officially end the practice of visiting the Ottoman Sultan to pay tribute in order to keep the peace. Oh, this shit. totally makes sense because that is what his father was doing when he was kidnapped. Oh. <laughs> Which I is the inciting that. incident of his whole backstory. I love that. I love that he was like, and you know what? For straight measure, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> never bringing them tribute. Yeah, never again. It was a bad <laughs> idea. I regret it. <laughs> we regret it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the biggest problems he had to deal with was that there was this big group of, the term they use is boyers, which is just the noblemen of Wallachia. Mm-hmm. And there was constant fighting between them. And again, these were the same guys that killed his dad. Right. They just like decided they didn't like him. So they could very easily challenge his authority. So they were kind of a big threat to him. So here's what he does about it. He invites hundreds of them to his castle for a big banquet. (gasps) Does he Arya Stark them? Well, he doesn't eat them that, that I know of. Arya didn't eat anybody. No, but didn't she put, didn't she, like, bake people into pies? And then yes, in a it? sick, what's that, what's that Greek tragedy? It's a Greek tragedy reference. Aeschylus? Mm. Who eats their kids? Someone, I'm gonna look it up. You know what? You're right, someone does, but I don't remember who. Anyway, she um, kills everybody at the party. Yeah, he does she, that. He has everybody stabbed, and he. Oh, that's so much more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gotta walk around from person to person. He also <laughs> must have had, I was just gonna say, he must have had so many people helping him and working for him and right. like waiting around the room and it's like, why are there hundreds of guards here? Because there were hundreds of them. Right. It would have to have been like, okay, right. everybody Can you imagine get a if person. he was like, and one, two, three, and they all went up behind him <laughs> and stabbed them in synchronized order? 
That's horrific. But he had them all stabbed, and then he had all of Fiesties. them. Fiesties. Fiesties. Okay. Yes. Well, I don't think he bakes them into pies, but yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked. But he had to have enough of them left because he kept the bodies, and he impaled them mm-hmm. and, like, posted them outside. <gasps> And that is where he got his nickname, Vlad the Vlad Impaler. The Impaler. Mm, I see it. I do see why they call him that. <laughs> because he impaled hundreds of people. Yeah, he impaled a lot of people. The one article I was reading about this that uh, first said that said, and then he impaled their, quote, still twitching bodies Ugh. on spikes. I was like, I don't like hearing about that. <laughs> okay, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So during the 1460s and 70s, um, which was just after the printing press was invented, hey. Um, oh my God. Can I just say, in world <laughs> history, in 10th grade, I know this is a big chance to have. Okay, what I'm about to say, I was made to watch this documentary going through the most important inventions of all time. It took three periods to watch the whole thing. Okay, it was like an hour and a half documentary and it counted up from 100. All of us, all of us were like screaming at each other over what we thought it was going to be. I was like, I bet it's the computer. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> computer. Like, I, I, for, I don't know what I thought it was. I thought maybe it was the calculator. I don't know. I don't remember. But, and then it was the printing press and all of us were like, what? Like we were so mad. We were furious. Our teacher was like, it really is not that big of a deal. We were like, we spent three periods on this. <sighs> I think about it often. <laughs> well, um, the print- <laughs> well, we got the printing press. Um, <laughs> yes, we did. And a lot of people at this time were telling stories about Vlad the Impaler because he oh. got this reputation as this like, yeah, really violent guy who, you know, would impale people who got in his way and challenged his authority. Wow, I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of, like, stories that people tell, a lot of rumors spread about him, mm-hmm. and a lot of people kind of picked and choose details from different stories and published mm-hmm. a lot of stories about him, uh, okay. because, you know, now they had this printing press, and pamphlets. <laughs> now and they had this printing press. Printing press. And they yeah, said, they there are a lot of stories out there about him that we don't know if they're true, because right. they, like, there's a lot of, you know, like... Propaganda. Stories that were passed around orally, and we don't know right. what's true and what's not, but the thing with the guys who were the hundreds of noblemen who he invited over and then impaled yeah. that happened yeah. um, that <laughs> we know definitely happened. impaled those people he definitely impaled those guys <laughs> um <laughs> some stories are wildly embellished others are more true uh, in 1490 a monk published a book called the tale of dracula which depicted him as a harsh but just ruler he's actually seen as a positive character in Romanian history because he was oh. considered just that. He was really harsh, but he was also really just, and he was really fierce. So those people deserved to be impaled, is what According, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Winner's history, you know? <laughs> Probably. Like, they, like, they totally deserved it. <laughs> like, he, they killed my daddy. But he also, like, really fiercely defended his kingdom for, <laughs> to be honest, not for that long, but, you know... Uh, a long pretty enough. long time for what it was. Because remember, he had it for two months the first time. Uh, right, right. He worked um, really hard to get yeah. that back. Just after, you know, the big banquet where he impaled those guys. Um, the, he, ba- the main event. 
the main event, he's credited with also going around and um, killing and impaling dozens of Saxon merchants who were once allied oh. with the boyars. Um, so he basically was like, okay, I've just killed all my noblemen. Who are their best friends? Okay, I'm going to go kill them too. Like, oh, oh, it's just oh. that. Um, and they loved it. They love him for it. <laughs> and, they, and they were like, yeah! What? There's one story, which, like, in a modern context, this is so bad. Um, it's it's but truly medieval terrible. people, like, you could truly be so violent and it didn't matter. Like, you could walk up and kill anybody and they would just be like, okay. Like, well, <laughs> like it just did not matter. Yeah. Everybody died all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's this one alleged story where a group of Ottoman envoys had an audience with him and he requested that they all remove their turbans out of respect for him. They declined to do so, and I they explained I've heard this story. Yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not great. Um, they explained that they couldn't do that because it was part of their religion to keep their turbans on their heads, mm-hmm. and Vlad responded by commending them on their religious devotion and vowed to ensure that their turbans would forever remain on their heads, and then reportedly had all of their head coverings nailed to their skulls. Oh, that's not great. No, it's it's, it's not good. Um, That is very gross. (laughs) He was defeated in 1462 by um, Mehmet II, who conquered Constantinople. So he was going by and he was trying to invade um, Wallachia, you know, Mm -hmm. our our region we've been talking about. And he was able to get as far as Wallachia's capital city of Targovist. But when he got there, he found it deserted. And in front of the capital, he found the bodies of all of the Ottoman prisoners of war that Vlad had taken, and they were all impaled. <gasps> oh my god. So technically, like, he still won the city. Like, he got there, and yeah. no one was there, and he was like, okay, I guess it's mine now. But when he got there, it was like, oh. <laughs> right. Vlad was literally like, everybody get out, and we have all these prisoners of war of theirs. We're just gonna impale them and stick them out for them to find when they get here. Right. It's kind of creep. It's <laughs> now when Mehmet II defeated Vlad, he didn't kill him, but he forced him into exile in Hungary. Oh. Now Vlad's younger brother Radu, who remember had switched sides, <laughs> Radu, Radu, um, was given the government of Wallachia, so he was made voivode. And he ruled for the next 13 years until he died in 1475. I don't have a cause of death, but I don't think he was ousted. I think it was natural causes. Oh, okay. But because <laughs> Vlad the Third, Vlad the Impaler, had a, such a positive reputation, uh-huh. the noblemen, when Radu died, were like, let's bring back that guy. Let's go get our friend. Who, again, they didn't kill. They just exiled him. And he was kind of like, so can I just... I'm just gonna, and he snuck back in, and he just, he was like, Jeez. Okay. he was like, okay, I'm just gonna do it again. I'll be Voivode again. Cool. Um, and he did. He just took it back. He just was like, all right, I'll do it. Thanks. And that's for me. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in 1476, um, with the support of the Voivode of Moldavia, which was the neighboring kingdom, and this guy's name was Stephen the Third the Great. Oh. 
was like, okay. What a name. Several thes in your name. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> several thes. Interesting. Just an observation. <laughs> today, today was a four-year-old's birthday at my school, and he had a hat that said happy birthday in his mm-hmm. name, which starts with an H. And the, the task was to count the H's on his hat. <laughs> There was three, and he didn't like that because he was turning four, so he wrote, like, a phantom H in the middle of So it was, happy birthday. <laughs> that was really funny. Birthday. Right, whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. Whatever, whatever you need. So funny. Now, later this year, or later that same year, 1476, uh-huh. when he snuck back in to be voivode, a uh, <laughs> He was marching to yet another battle with the Ottomans, um, and he and his small vanguard of soldiers were ambushed, and Vlad and his men were killed. So that is where he died. Um, There's also, there's a lot of disagreement about where he's born, and there's a lot of disagreement about where he's buried. Um, He could be buried, as was the tradition for the Voivodes of Wallachia, to... uh, uh, to be buried in the monastery church in Snagov, which is in the northern edge of what is now Bucharest. Uh-huh. But he could also be buried in the monastery of Komana, which is between Bucharest and the Danube, which is a lot closer to where he actually died. Right. So, you know, so that know. makes sense. It's probably one of those. Yes. Only <laughs> one thing is known for certain, unlike Count Dracula, Vlad the Impaler definitely did die. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) He wasn't a vampire. And I kept seeing, when I was, all the stories that I read started with, like, Vlad the Impaler also had a taste for blood. And I really thought at least one story was going to be, like... And then he drank their blood. (laughs) I thought I was going to get at least a little bit, a little bit of blood drinking or, like, cannibalism or something. But no, lots lots of impaling, though. Lots of impaling. A lot, a lot. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we would know if he drank blood. Because if he drank blood, his name would definitely be Vlad the Blood Drinker. You know? <laughs> that's like, that's true. that's a leading fact. Yeah, but that's uh, a little on the nose. Like, Dracula's not called Dracula the Blood Drinker. <laughs> yeah, but we all know. Like, <laughs> there's only one. There's only one Dracula. How many Vlads are out there? He was at least the third. Like, <laughs> please. It is disappointing he didn't drink any blood. I am. I am sad about that. I mean, I'm not happy about anything he did. Um, no, but no, was, I'm not like was, thrilled. But I it mean, was quite a ride, though. Lots of ups and downs. It was. Like, I really a- admire a man that can is synchronistically murder hundreds of people. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that I aspire to be like them, but I no. do admire them. Well, like they, how he must have had so many people helping him to. He pull must it have. Off. That's. I just and, like. I need to know how he pulled it off. All of them were willing to help him, and none of them spilled the beans. And <laughs> and they all did it fast enough that nobody got out. Exactly. Wow. Wow. See, that takes real skill. That takes real planning. This guy was a planner. Yeah. He was a planner, and I admire that. It's just so silly. I can't believe all of these noblemen were like, <laughs> and nobody oh, that knew. Guy, that guy whose brother and father we killed and has been held hostage for the past couple years is just oh he's just been made voivode again oh and he's inviting us all over for a party let's go like (laughs) they all get inside the banquet hall and it's like i mean the servants around with knives (laughs) i mean 
mean the understanding like like we, you know the understanding around like custom and you know royalty and like duty and whatever like it's not like now where someone invites you to a party and you don't like them you just don't go <laughs> you know like if we were important people and they were important people like can you imagine like, all the celebrities have to go to each other's parties. Otherwise, everyone's going to know that they're not there. They know that they weren't invited. If Lord had a party and didn't invite Kesha, big deal. <laughs> really big deal. You know, like, Kesha has to go. Mm-hmm. I guess um, in, my, in I... my head, they're friends. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't know each other. I actually read this one really interesting article a really long time ago, so I, I don't remember that many details of it, but the it boiled down to this tldrs maleficent is not as insane as we think <laughs> not where i thought we were going okay no, because, right. well her whole thing is that she's mad that she wasn't invited to a baby shower and oh. the article that i read basically said that in the like medieval times that that story is set in it would be that's like a just you didn't even send out invitations to a royal baby sh- like a royal christening you would it, it was just expected that every single citizen came mm-hmm. and the fact that she was not only like n- not aware of like come to the palace today there's gonna be a christening but the fact that they actively made steps to make sure that she couldn't like wasn't invited right such a diss yeah it's a diss so <laughs> we were alone <laughs> still shouldn't have tried to kill someone <laughs> but but yeah but she was dissed. Okay. She was dissed. <laughs> middle segment's on my phone. Okay. I'm just going to read a little bit of this document that somebody sent to me. Oh, um, mysterious. Entitled, entitled, Preparing for Post-Election Scenarios, Resources, and Training oh, Guide. Oh, this is going to make me sad. Okay, okay, it's, okay. well... I don't like it when you say it like that. Like, what? It's not going to make you totally sad. <laughs> Um, all right all right just 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 okay well i recommend that everybody um look at some of these resources that i I will say their names in a sec um but the biggest one that they have that's like the first page of it is what to do in case of a coup now um jesus (laughs) christ i hate this country i hate it i hate it here um now in (laughs) The um, possible outcome, if say there's a possible outcome that somebody wins a very large majority of the vote, which is one thing. Step one, everybody vote. Please, everybody, do your best to vote. Try and make it as hard as possible for them to contest the results of this election. Yeah, my cousin said to my mom today that she hopes my ballot doesn't get in. And she's voting for Trump and I'm voting for Biden, which is shady as hell. Like, yeah. you gotta, you guys really gotta work hard, okay? Like, let's get this done, please. Okay, so here we go. Ten things to do in, in the case of a coup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number one, do not expect results on election night. Um, okay. Trump keeps being like, it could be weeks, months, years until they tell us. I don't know why he's like from Brooklyn. <laughs> he's an idiot. I don't even, I can't, I don't want to do his voice. It could um, be years. He's like, he's like it could be years. <laughs> um, but it probably will be like a couple days, week max. Um, That's so scary. I hate that. I know, I know, I, I know. I hate that. 
But yeah, don't I expect my and cry. I don't want to spend a week just like shaking. I have a big presentation due on the- November fourth. Oh my god! <laughs> um, the same boat as last time. <laughs> I had no more to do. <gasps> I was like. I had a paper due the next day and yeah. it was a partner project and my partner and I were like, okay, we'll just like real quick pop into like, um, um, a election, election watch party, party? Yeah. And, and then we'll go write our paper. And, but that did not happen. <laughs> yeah, but I will a say party that, that became um, not a party in the middle of it. <laughs> but this time, like the project's already done. It's an oral presentation. My group and I have already made our slideshow. We're going to, we're just meeting beforehand to like rehearse it. But right. I was like, no promises that I will be okay on November 4th when we actually have to present it. Right. I think that's, I think that's fair. <laughs> Okay, number two, do call it a coup. Because okay. if a nominee or a candidate, I mean, um, refuses to accept the results of the election and refuses to leave office, that is a coup. That in is a democracy, coup. That is a coup. Remember, in history, I don't have examples, but this is just what the article says. Coups have been stopped by regular people in the past. Small okay. acts of resistance and citizenry do help. Okay. Be ready to act quickly. Focus on shared democratic values, not individuals. So don't try to make it about party. Try to make it about democracy. Okay. I don't uh, think that's going to work, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met the Republicans? I will say there are some, like, um, Oh, what's the word? Center Republicans? What do I mean? Moderate Republicans Moderates. who are like against Trump. I still don't like it. love Republicanism as a whole, but there are some Republicans that are like, okay, we at least can't let him have a coup. Um, we can't let him have a coup. Okay, great. <laughs> Glad you're ready to draw a line. But we can't let this impeached president steal uh. an election. Um, <laughs> I didn't read the numbers. We're now on step six. Um, step six, oh. convince people not to freeze. I don't know. I think that just means like not to like panic and do nothing. Um, like try and take action. Um, number right. seven, commit to action that represents uh-huh. the rule of law, stability, and nonviolence. Okay. I do think it's important to stick to that, but like, let's keep in mind this past year. Uh, I'm I'm not saying be violent, but like, let's just think about who's really being violent. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. A <clears throat> cap. Um, uh, number eight. Yes, it is possible for a coup to happen in the United States. That could happen. Mm-hmm. Let's pray it doesn't. But um. Whatever. Uh, number nine, center in calm, not fear. I'm going to be terrified, but I'm going to be trying to do something about it. Don't follow my example. Uh, if you yeah, need to calm don't, down. Don't um, look at me. If you need to calm down, light a candle, get in the shower. Light a candle, get in the shower. At 6 a.m. <laughs> light a candle, get in the shower. <laughs> amazing advice from jane (laughs) and number 10 uh prepare to deter a coup before the election so we need to start now making it clear that that is not an okay thing to do Uh you know yeah it's not acceptable and it's not just something bad that we can be like i can't believe he's doing this like we have to like make it clear now (laughs) right (laughs) that's not okay we're not gonna let him do that no 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 no, no, no. 
There are several um, organizations that have formed it proactively, um, uh -huh. such as a group called Protect the Results, which is a coalition readying voters to mobilize if Trump refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. Uh, including mobilizations on November 4th around the country, as well as digital actions. Uh -huh. Partners include Indivisible, 350 Action, Code Pink, CPD Action, Common Cause, Demos Action, CWA, Greenpeace, Move On, Next Gen America. <laughs> it was like Next Gen and then America. I was like, oh, well, America's on their side. <laughs> Next Gen America. <laughs> yeah. People's Action, Planned Parenthood. Yes. SEIU, Shutdown DC, Sierra Club, Sunrise, uh -huh. Working Families Party, and many more. Yes. Um, there are several other groups, which you should look at all of these websites. Um, Choose Democracy mm -hmm. is a short-term platform focused on the scenario of a coup, including a digital pledge to nonviolently take to the streets if a coup is attempted. Tr uh, they have training and other resources. Choose Democracy was created by a group of organizers, activists, trainers, academics, and concerned citizens preparing for the scenario of a coup in 2020. They're hosting trainings about the organization to stop a coup, and there's a calendar on their website. And you can email them at choosedemocracyinfo at gmail.com. Um, there's The Frontline, which is another um, group that is led by the Working Families Party and the Movement for Black Lives electoral justice project yeah um so that one's another great there's also we count on us there's everyone counts vote forward which is writing letters to unregistered and low prosperity voters or mm -hmm. no low propensity voters encouraging mm -hmm. them to participate there's reclaim our vote environmental voter project writers against trump and demand justice those are all things that people can look up and that have advice and um, tips about what they're doing and ways that you can help. I will say that I recently read that Chuck Schumer said, he didn't say exactly what they were doing, but that the Democratic Party was working on a plan just in case. Okay. I, and that being said, like, I feel like the Chuck Schumer Democrats are, are not the best at being at standing up to bullies they're kind of like hey you broke the rules shakes finger, <laughs> shakes finger. and then it's they don't do don't, anything else it's hard when you don't control the senate it's really yeah, hard, it's he hard is, to accomplish he is, anything yeah he's the senate minority leader i think so there are like people who are working on this scary thing that might happen so like look up how you can help them is my yes my overall message okay thank you for that message um, <laughs> Sarah sounds terrified now it's time for her to terrify me i am okay this isn't gonna be that spooky oh okay <laughs> oh i'm sorry can okay. i say though <gasps> okay yeah you can say I whatever have, you want i've had some spooky things happen in my apartment lately okay at well, night it sounds like people are knocking on my door oh like my bedroom door not my apartment door like with knuckles or with a finger like a finger tap um well the first time it happened i literally thought it was my roommate and i sat up in bed and i, and I was like uh, i was like what's up um <laughs> oh and nothing and then i asked her the next day if she had been knocking on my door and she said no oh. and what i thought it was was i thought that maybe there was like some furniture upstairs like a bed that maybe when someone lies down on it it like creaks and it makes like a like a D -d -d like it settles or something uh -huh. but it's definitely like a weird like it's like a it sounds like someone's knocking on my door and it keeps happening around midnight every night for the past three nights right 
that's I don't know. I that's don't know. creepy, but maybe I can offer you some consolation. Okay. I there okay. are there's definitely things that could be causing it that are of this world. Right. Okay. So you asked me to talk about the most compelling evidence that we have that ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. And in a shocking twist, we have We don't have any. <laughs> we don't have any. Oh no. Well, I guess oh good. And I learned a lot about the belief of ghosts and why people believe in ghosts despite the like crazy lack of scientific evidence. <laughs> like but they have orbs, Sarah. Like actually very, very little, little, little <laughs> evidence. And, and like nothing substantial and nothing that a, that a scientist has backed. <laughs> so there is no scientific there's proof. no ghostbusters out there that have readings. no i mean Dang. there are people trying to be the ghostbusters but not as good <laughs> not as good there's no scientific proof that ghosts exist most scientists don't believe in ghosts okay well sarah i wasn't expecting you to be like science some scientists have proof like I was ghostbusters just... is literally about a group of scientists trying to believe in ghosts or trying to prove ghosts exist and i'm here to tell you those scientists don't really exist there i wasn't was expecting guy. scientific data is my point there are people there are scientists out there who are working hard to try to prove that ghosts exist they're just like like they just do, they take investigation very seriously but they come at it from a very scientific way and they're like okay let's see scientifically what is going on here but okay. they have ga- they have garnered no evidence. I wonder how their parents feel. But there is a child who was like, I'm going to be a scientist. And they were like, yay. And then their child was like, and I'm going to study ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> However, there is evidence to support why we think we see ghosts. <gasps> now, obviously, there are a lot of videos and photos out there claiming that they have proof of, proof of ghosts. And many of them, in fact, most of them, have been debunked. And there are a lot of YouTube's video out there um, debunking some of the most famous photos and videos of ghostly interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, there are many shows out there about ghost hunters and people swearing the paranormal. I am a huge fan of BuzzFeed Unsolved, and the half of their episodes are about the supernatural. Um, and I will say that I, I, I lean towards the believer side. Mm-hmm. So, but there are some things that um, experts in a that an expert in a Vox video that I watched and an expert in um, an infographic video I watched explained about um, ghost videos that definitely gave me a lot to think about. Um, and as particularly in how you manufacture, you can tell when a video is fake. And so here are some some things you can look for in a ghost video that will probably tell you that that video is fake. Mm-hmm. Number one, and this is a big one, is the convenient placement of security cameras. Security cameras in any facility are placed to see a large sweeping area. They are literally designed to cover as much space as physically possible. And there are a lot of ghost videos out there claiming it's like, and then the security camera caught, caught this. But the security camera is only looking at that door or maybe that door and the one next to it. It's like it's pointed towards a very small area. That that's not a real cam. That's not a real security camera. That defeats the purpose of security cameras. Because think about it: if you're a security guard and you work in a large building and there's a security camera on every floor, that's already a lot to look at. Let alone a security camera for each individual door. It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. So they almost always are focused down the whole hallway. So security cameras with very like close shots or narrow views 
probably not real security cameras. Um, mm. You see this a lot in ghosts, ghost videos that claim to be in like hotels and like in Vegas and Chicago and big cities like that. Um, that's almost that's almost certainly fake. Mm. Also, most security cameras, unless it's in a high VIP room, like like super important VIP area, um, only record video not audio and there are so many ghost videos out there that's like and the security camera caught this and can you hear this yada yada that's not that that's not real because it doesn't record audio and the chances of them like they are not legally allowed to have an audio recorder in the hotel room or whatever whatever the space is you know they can't legally record it so unless there was a person investigating who also was like recording and the security camera caught them all at the same time. Like, that's just too many factors. So anything that comes from a security camera in which you also hear audio, almost certainly fake. Mm -hmm. You should also consider the reputation of the person posting the video. Um, this There's one very popular video from a Vegas hotel. I was posted under a pseudonym. And they went back through and figured out that the person that posted it was um, a guy who made low-budget horror movies. So, like, you should take into consideration mm -hmm. who is posting it, what they could possibly gain from it. Um, you know, the people that do the Ghost Hunter shows, they have a lot at stake for capturing things or making it seem like they're going to capture things. Um, so definitely consider that. Um, another example is like Shane Dawson did a couple of videos in which he explored haunted areas. And I went back and I watched them. And it's so clearly that the whole atmosphere is manufactured. Like the music that he added later, the thing, like everything he catches could have easily just been like one of his friends joking around. And he's just like not a very trustworthy person. <laughs> now, like he's going to do a lot to get views and to get um, attention. So uh, that's a person that I don't seem, I don't seem credible. And also because him and that group always seem to be performing. Oh, it yeah. is really hard to tell if their reactions are genuine. Whereas, and I know that I'm biased because I love this show, but in BuzzFeed Unsolved, like, <laughs> you can genuinely see real terror and fear in Ryan's eyes. And, like, that type of terror can't be manufactured. Yeah. You know, like, he can't, he can't act that scared. No, BuzzFeed Unsolved has never really caught anything on tape, right? Like, they've had weird experiences, experiences that I will say are weird, um, but you can't fake how afraid Ryan is, you know, yeah. like that is genuinely really fair. So regardless if they actually caught anything, Ryan certainly felt like they were going to, and that's half of it, you know? Yeah. And I sometimes that's so like as close as you get. Yeah, yeah. I always get so annoyed with him when he <laughs> gets an audio that's like clearly like someone scraping a jacket or like a door closing. And he's like, it clearly says mother. <laughs> no, <it> <laughs> I know, but that's why we love Ryan Bergara. No, there's only like one or two moments on BuzzFeed Unsolved that I was genuinely chilled. And I was like, oh, I that one think. episode where they hear the lady singing? Yes, that genuinely scared me. Uh, and also, like, I would need to look more into, like, who the producers of BuzzFeed Unsolved are. Mm. Like, do I trust them, you know? But again, like, you can't fake fear, you know? Yeah. As you, I mean, like, you can, I mean, acting is a real thing, but not, not <laughs> to that extent, you know? And sometimes there are, in BuzzFeed Unsolved, you can see that Ryan is genuinely terrified. So clearly yeah. he thinks something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Sweet boy. I love him. <laughs> 
If another thing to look for is if the apparition is in the middle of the video, especially while a camera is moving around. The camera is moving around like they're searching and yet the apparition always lands in the center view. That's almost certainly a manufactured video because if you actually don't know it's there, like what are the odds that your camera is going to be in the right place if you're yeah. l- looking around and also holding a camera? The more credible ones are if it's disappearing from view on the left or the right, or if it's like a stationary thing that's catching something. Um, it, that's a little more trustworthy than it being, oh, I'm looking around and oh, it's there in the middle. Like that doesn't, mm-hmm. the odds of that happening in an actually frantic situation are pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing to consider is that certain tapes that are used to record footage, um, if you re-record over them, which used to be a big thing, um, back when we had VHS tapes, you would take an old tape and just re-record over it. Mm. A certain type, certain kinds of tapes have chemicals on them that when you record over them, some of the images bleed through. Now, there was a case in Disneyland in the early 2000s where people reported, a security guy reported seeing a ghost wandering the grounds on the tape. And the tape was examined and they found that it wasn't a ghost, it was the old footage that had been re-taped (gasps) over and it was just a security guy being over, sorry, it was just a security guy being overlaid into that new footage from That's the old still footage. so spooky, though. It's weird, but it wasn't a ghost. And they could also tell it wasn't a ghost. Like, the guy literally was just walking around, and everyone was like, why is this ghost so chill? He behaves like a normal person. <laughs> like, he wasn't doing anything weird. And, like, the part that was weird is he appears to walk straight through a fence, and everyone was like, <gasps> but it was <laughs> it was just the old footage that had lasted on the tape. Hmm. Which some people use as a deliberate technique to fake a ghost Mm -hmm. um but that's something that can only be seen like that wouldn't be seen live you know that's something that you would notice going back and watching it later Mm -hmm. um so those are some things to look for if you're like real or not real key factors beyond just like like i don't trust anything what's that show go is it called ghost hunters what's the famous ghost hunting show um talking about? there is ghost hunters there isn't one like ghost adventures ghost or... adventures oh yeah that's zach baggins show <laughs> um yeah, yeah yeah like i don't trust anything they say perhaps the best evidence of ghosts that we have physical footage of is actually a video from gettysburg pennsylvania from the battlefield <sighs> Um, And this video came from 2001. It's a very famous video. Um, It was shot by a family, the Underwoods, um, and shows what appears to be apparitions of soldiers stepping over a rock and vanishing into thin air. (gasps) In the video, the the apparitions are off to the left, um, like almost disappearing out of frame. The camera is definitely on a tripod. Like it's very, it's very still. Um, but you can hear the family have a conversation. They sound, they sound verbally, like you can't see them, but they sound very genuinely shaken and they have a son with them. And the thing about kids, and this was another thing to look for, is that kids are not the best actors. <laughs> you can tell when they're faking being afraid. Or and like when that's a lie and this kid sounds genuinely confused and afraid 
Um, and it's everybody can look it up. It's called the Gettysburg Ghosts. Um, I literally am googling. Right now. It's a really interesting video. It's super short, but it's literally just like you and you see the same thing repeated over and over. It's like a guy, you see his back, steps over a rock, and then all of a sudden he vanishes. And the video's in black and white, so it's kind of hard to tell. But in the background, there are also apparitions moving in the trees, or what looks like apparitions. Um, and they shot it, like, in at dusk, I think. Mm, a so, spooky time. Yeah, spooky time. So that's, like, that's one of the videos that experts have a hard, have a hard time debunking because um, the cameraman is clearly having a hard time having a hard time focusing on the apparition um the family sounds genuinely shaken like i said and because it was taken in 2001 it is unlikely that the family had the video editing software necessary to doctor the video since like that that technology was still expensive at the time now lots of people and amateur filmmakers have the software to have to do that on their laptops in 2001 that really wouldn't have been possible and the family was totally vetted and nobody in their family not even in their extended family would have had access to the technology or the knowledge of the technology to doctor that footage Mm -hmm. so that's got people a little stomped like oh okay the chances of this being faked are like pretty slim so this is one of the more compelling pieces of evidence but despite the gigantic lack of evidence, like really beyond this video, um, that hasn't been debunked, a staggering amount of people still believe in ghosts. In a 2019 survey of the United States, about 50% of Americans surveyed said they believed in the existence of ghosts, and 28% reported having seen or experienced a ghostly presence. like that's so many people who are experiencing something that we have no proof is actually happening um part of the reason that uh scientists believe that this is the case is that belief in ghosts is supported by all major religions around the world all Mm -hmm. of them factor in some sort of ghost and we're not even talking about like christians the holy spirit because the holy spirit isn't a ghost um but in like this this one video talked about talked about how um jesus appears to who is it paul and john and a bunch of people in a boat i forget who else is in the boat (laughs) and their reaction is are you a ghost which shows that regardless if you think this is fact or fiction whoever wrote the gospel believed in ghosts because Mm. they included that wording in there there Mm. is there is evidence of people believing ghosts going all the way back to Mesopotamia. Whoa. Yes, we have always believed in ghosts. And yet, very little evidence. Um, there have been several studies on what ghosts... Oh, I should also say, this is, this is another interesting t- statistic. 90% of Taiwanese people reported having seen a ghost. <gasps> 90%. That's very high. That's very... So either Taiwan is super haunted or they just, like, really believe. It's also hard to consider, for for scientists to consider what is a ghost, because a lot of people have different ideas on what ghosts are. Like, mm-hmm. some people say that they're floating orbs. Some people say that they move stuff around. Some people say that they're just, like, a presence. Like, that mm. also doesn't help because we don't really know what it is because all there are all these different reportings mm-hmm. based off of different ideas of what ghosts are. There have been several studies on what ghosts 
could be. A popular theory, which I've heard before, and I think is an interesting theory, is that ghosts are the energy of a memory echoing over time, likely that person's death. I forget where I first heard about this, but the theory is that if a person puts out a great amount of energy due to like overwhelming emotion, it's that electricity, like the literal electricity from that moment causes their body and their form to be encapsulated almost like a photograph and ghosts are us seeing that photograph which is why so many ghosts are reported to be doing the same thing over and over and over again Uh because that's a photograph of them in that moment so we hear many ghosts like experiencing their death over again or something like that Mm. it's just the energy staying in that moment that is a popular theory and the theory i think is interesting Oh, my ghost is just going to be sitting on a chair looking at her phone. No, because you have to be putting out a great amount of energy, okay? It has to be, like, a traumatizing experience or something. Emotional energy. No. (laughs) If it's a coup, I'll be traumatized. Yeah. Um, But, like, that's that's why so many ghosts are people that have been murdered and like that. Like, Mm -hmm. that true, like, great amount of, like, trauma to kind of send out that much Mm -hmm. energy in order to capture you over time. I think I'm pretty sure I, I heard that Albert Einstein believed in this theory. Oh. Which is cool. He um, was pretty smart. But scientists have several explanations for why we report seeing ghosts um, that are much less fun. Uh, the first theory has to do with electromagnetic fields. A lot of ghost hunters use EMF readers um, or electromagnetic field meters to detect ghosts they say that when the the meter changes that means there's a ghost present these tools are normally used to identify problems with power lines and electrical appliances but electromagnetic fields do exist everywhere not just in the presence of electricity Mm -hmm. in the 1980s a neuroscientist named michael persinger theorized that excessive magnetic stimulation of the brain led to out-of-body experiences like truly if your brain was receiving too much electricity or was in the middle of like an electromagnetic field you might feel odd and that's why you're reporting ghosts um and in his experiment participants wore helmets that targeted the temporal lobes with weak magnetic fields and 80 percent of the people who participated in this experiment reported feeling an unexplained presence in the room that's how they put it but then that was in the 80s in the early 2000s a group of swedish researchers repeated this experiment but instead they split the group up into two and the people didn't know whether or not they were receiving the electromagnetic pulses or not um and they didn't know who did and who didn't and both sides of the group in this case reported feeling presences in the room so they kind of disproved persinger's theory another theory is that ghostly feelings could be caused by infrasound now if you didn't know sound is measured in hertz high Mm -hmm. pitch sounds have Higher hertz and low pitch sounds have lower hertz. Experiments have been done using sound under 17 hertz, super low frequency, and they found that these very low frequencies cause uneasiness and other sensory phenomena that feel paranormal when you experience them. This is likely an evolutionary reaction because most predators, like tigers, 
their like growling noises or their predatory noises are these low, low frequencies. So we've come to associate low frequencies with danger or the unknown. Mm-hmm. So they think that you might be feeling like there's a ghost in the room because actually there's a low frequency coming from somewhere that you can't hear. That's causing interesting. The yeah. Huh. Carbon monoxide poisoning also causes symptoms like pressure on the chest, paranoia, mood swings, and hallucinations. There are several cases, including that of journalist Carrie Poppy, where haunted houses or haunted people are discovered to be suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. (laughs) So they were just hallucinating it the whole time. Um, which you can imagine in these like old houses is actually pretty common. Similarly, many haunted houses um, also could be home to dangerous molds because they're so old. Mycotoxins, which are produced by fungi, can lead to delirium. Excuse me. And the fungi. The fungi (laughs) can lead to delirium, (laughs) dementia, pain syndromes, movement disorders, and coordination disorders, all of which can lead to ghost sightings because of these symptoms so a lot of uh, scientists now believe that haunted houses that you go to and people report seeing apparitions it's because of like abnormalities and things in the walls like funguses and bacteria that are causing people (laughs) to think that dementia patients commonly report seeing ghosts but there's actually a term for this and it's called nearing death awareness Dementia patients will literally hallucinate people on the other side back <gasps> over. And it's it's like it's not very common, but like it definitely happens. I feel like that's gotta be evidence for something though. It's not because it's there they have dementia and part of oh. the symptoms of dementia are yes, hallucinations. Yes, yes. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't thinking about the dementia, I was just thinking like old people near death. No experiencing people visiting them. No, yeah. specifically dementia patients. Um, there's also a lot of cases of kids reporting ghosts, but kids are super unreliable reporters because <laughs> for many reasons, but because they are often rewarded for their imaginations in school. So naturally they extend it. And like, sometimes kids literally don't know that they've extended their imagination like so far because they just, and they've just encapsulated it into their reality. Like they don't really realize that they're still imagining. Mm. Um, so kids are just not reliable reporters of these things. <laughs> If you've ever seen something out of the corner of your eye, there's a reason for that, too. Our peripheral vision has a blind spot in it. um, And essentially, in that blind spot, we fill it, our brains fill it with what makes sense. Our brain is like, oh, there should be something there. But sometimes our brain gets it wrong. So sometimes it'll literally fill in something moving or something like that. And that makes us think, oh, we saw a ghost or, oh, we saw something move when there was nothing there. It's just our brain inserting something that it thinks should be there. There was some thing at the Boston Museum of Science when I went there when I was like with Girl Scouts and I was like 12. There was like some optical illusion that literally did that. Yeah. It like tricked you into thinking there was a word there or something and it was like it's not there at all. Yeah. Um, suggestion is also a powerful influence. If someone says there's a ghost in a house, you are more likely to see it or say that you experienced something. I think this is also true about the religion aspect. If your religion (laughs) says ghosts are real, you're like, yep, (laughs) ghosts are real. (laughs) It is very common to see ghosts and other haunted things during sleep paralysis. Your body essentially disconnects from your mind when you're going in and out of REM sleep. 
And sleep paralysis occurs when you wake up during REM sleep without coming out of it, resulting in a feeling of paralysis. And essentially in this time, your brain is not connected to your body. Like your brain is still dreaming and your body is awake. Sounds like hell. Yes, people say that it's it's truly awful. Um, and people have reported experiencing visions or experiencing things trying to hurt them or kill them. But they are all in their dreams. It's all in their head. But their their brain doesn't know that because their brain isn't connected to their body. Mm-hmm. So why are people still hunting ghosts? Like, why do people still believe? Again, all major religions believe in ghosts. And faith is a much bigger indicator across the world and a much bigger encourager than science is in many many cases i mean believe scientists climate change is real but for some people like they're just like nope my i believe and that's enough um there are major financial rewards for providing evidence of ghosts i have this wikipedia article up it's called list of prizes for evidence of the paranormal and in the united states since the year 2000 the center for inquiry investigations group has offered a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar reward to anyone who can show under proper observing conditions evidence of any paranormal supernatural or occult power or event so let's do it oh my gosh we need money i need money so bad (laughs) yeah but then we'd have to go hunt ghosts (sighs) and there we could go to europe with that money there are rewards like this all over the world like there's also one in two in 2001 the north the North Texas skeptics offer $12,000 for evidence. Like they are all over the place. Some guy, some, some people named the Fayetteville free thinkers are offering $5,000. The Tampa Bay skeptics, a thousand dollars. Like it's truly insane. There's such a desire for real, real proof that there's a lot of monetary gain from it potentially there's also like something to say for the people who are such strong non-believers that are like yeah show me i'll give you a million dollars like they know they're not going to be giving people money right exactly um there was at one point a one million dollar reward in the united states um from from the jref one million dollar paranormal challenge um in 2015 the challenge was terminated and it went unclaimed Mm. Um, in fact, all of the prizes that have been canceled have gone unclaimed. Can you imagine, though, like, let's say ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. The person that proves it and documents it and makes, a, like, a million dollars off of it, you gotta be cursed. Like, that, something's gotta, like... I just wonder what it would take the start to, like, of a truly film. prove, like... Yes, this truly happened. Because that's the thing. It's like, we have so much, we're so skeptical of video evidence and all, and photo evidence and all of these things. Like, I, I truly wonder what it would take to be like, okay, yeah, this is really happening. Mm. You know? So that is that on Ghost. I'm sorry it was a little disappointing. Wasn't really what you were looking for, but I was like truly shocked. I was ready to be like, oh, and then in 1925, <laughs> this happened at this house. And instead, the scientists were like, there is none. Thank you for asking. There is none. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was, expecting like, like scientific proof. I was going to maybe get some spooky stories that some scientists were kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's probably fake, but we don't really know exactly how they did it. <laughs> Yeah, most of them, people are like, nah, it's not happening. (laughs) 
that you're paranoid and you're seeing things is what they say. <laughs> <sighs> Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we'd love to put it on our show. And finally, if you like what you're hearing, please consider donating to us through the link in the show notes and or leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Okay, so next week is our last episode before halloween and recently a friend of ours hi christine um told jane and i that our podcast was like listening to two friends at a sleepover and that was like really really nice um it it was such a sweet compliment but we thought it would be really fun if next week for our halloween episode because we love spooky season um that we tell each other some scary stories so next week jane and i will both prepare scary stories if i have time i will be in jammies and in a blanket fort <gasps> Ooh, <spooky. laughs> i'm just gonna i'm gonna take out the library book scary stories to tell in the dark and just make you relive childhood trauma did you ever watch scary saturday night sleepover on discovery kids no <laughs> oh, my brother and You're i the used only to watch person that. i know who watched discovery kids i don't know why there were just like a couple shows on there that were so good and i but they had two shows that my brother and i would watch one was called i think it was called fact or faked or maybe it was like myth is it Mythbusters? no um what was it called but well one of them was called like how what was that show with michelle trachtenberg (laughs) and it was literally like literally the premise of the show was it was Michelle Trachtenberg sitting in like a spooky looking library and then she would tell she would talk about like scary um stories or myths or right. and it was like it was like creepy and the other one was the fact or faked one was literally just these two it was like BuzzFeed Unsolved but like teenagers doing it right and they would like go around like looking for like clues but then it would always cut back to this guy who they called Doubting Dave who was a scientist and he would like give a scientific explanation for what was going on I love seeing the day (laughs) what was it called this is gonna bother me Oh, and it would always come on after Strange Days at Blake Holdy High, which I watched, like, a few episodes of, but I like to be like, I loved that show. <laughs> yeah, that really makes you sound cool, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> it had that guy from Life with Derek. It had Derek from Life with Derek. Truth or Scare! Oh, the one with Michelle Trachtenberg was called Truth or Scare. Okay. I and I would always get so scared watching it, my brother would make fun of me. All right, well, we're going to have our own truth or scare scare next week. So get ready. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.